The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save and save and win. This is Let's Talk About It with Janelle King. So every year I love watching the Macy's Thanksgiving Parade. And last year was just no no, no, no exception. I love everything about it. I love the rockets. I love the floats. I love the music. To me, it's the best thing on TV while you're cooking and drinking your spiked apple cider. It's like the best thing ever. <laughs> I like it. I like the way it makes the, the house feel. It's just, I just love it. And... I was watching the parade last year and something was different. I noticed that it was a little more, I don't know, I guess I could say, I guess I would say it like this. I noticed that there were more cultural references. And I'm not talking about the Lion King performance, which I thought was magnificent, but I'm not talking about that. It's even beyond that. Because of these cultural adjustments or cultural references, I felt like I was able to connect just a little bit more than usual. There were things that I had grew up with or seen, and I just, I don't know, it just felt a little bit different. And I appreciated these slight changes, not an entire swing of the pendulum, just kind of an acknowledging, a little bit of a nod to unique differences in our cultures. And it really got me thinking And so I asked myself, have we seen anything positive that come out of this woke culture? And I think the answer is yes. I I have to say yes, because and before you here's the thing. Don't turn off the podcast, please. Like, just just chill out. Calm down. Take deep breaths. Don't turn off the podcast. Do not call me a rhino. Let me just explain. The the purpose of the woke culture, from what I've kind of gathered by other people was to expose the racism and the racist people that are here particularly white people because it seemed like it always went towards white people I don't know I I don't know I just but then I was like well maybe that's because there's a belief that people of color are not marketed to although we carry the consumer award because we definitely consume more than anybody else but the people of color are not marketed to because of racism and that was had to be and it was the absolute only reason and while that's a tough argument to crack after combing through their mountains of evidence I noticed something first of all I think we are just becoming more conscious of people around us I think we pay attention to details especially when it comes to marketing because it's kind of being forced down our throat. But today, there's some weird belief that all white people are inherently racist at birthright. And, and I think, I, I said to my, one of my liberal friends, I, I wonder if that's why I get attacked so much by white liberals, because maybe it's just some inherent, I don't know, that's just their thing. But anyway, 
They also make these claims that apparently the final authority over all things commercial or connected to the entertainment industry is also connected to white people. And that the only antidote to racism is increased amounts of melanin. Because apparently racism no longer resides in the hearts of man, but it's in the amount of melanin that you possess. Therefore, that explains why black people can't be racist. There's your lesson. All of this sounds extremely ridiculous to me. So I had to ask myself, there got to be something different. There got to be something that's happening that's beyond this. Um, And so as I started thinking about it, I, I think I located it. You know, I don't think that we are in a situation where we've become more racist than we were in 1950. I think that's the most idiotic statement, especially when it's given or stated by people who were born in 2000. But anyway, and I don't think that racism has changed its spots, but it's the exact same racism. I just don't. I don't think that racism has disappeared either. I'm one of those people that still believe that, you know, it's something that resides in your heart. It's only God that can deal with it. You can't legislate it. It's just got to deal with God. God has to answer that one. So I think the answer as to why we've seen, we're seeing, or we haven't seen um, people of color represented outside of sports and music, I don't think it's as sinister as people think it is. Personally, I believe it comes down to one thing, and that's that we were unaware of cultural differences. And I think shows and and displays like the Thanksgiving parade was better because I saw things that I could identify with culturally. So I don't think there's anything wrong with activism. I don't think there's anything wrong with questioning, suggesting, or educating. I think it is wrong to force feed your activism, your questioning, your suggesting, and your educating onto people. Honestly, I don't even know if people are questioning anymore. I think we're more like telling. But anyway, it's a whole other conversation for another episode. This also led me to believe that we are in a really unique time where activism looks different. I'll come back to that. Something that my family and I, well, my family, excuse me, <laughs> believe or we have a lot of confidence in, it's, and that's the market. We are business owners, so we rely a lot on the market. And when I say the market, to me, it's another word for the majority. You know, let the majority rule. And before people of color get upset with me because they think that I'm, when I say majority, I'm talking about white people. That's not what I'm talking about. When I say majority, I mean the market, all of us. The market doesn't have face doesn't have a face it doesn't have an ethnicity it's it's the majority of thought it's not the majority of a particular race that's ridiculous i'm talking about majority of thought not race is all of us moving and adjusting i mean we do it all the time and we call it trends or setting trends so when something happens and a majority of people kind of get on board and all of a sudden we have a new trend as i stated i thoroughly enjoyed the parade but there is something that happened when he went on commercial break. I, I'm just going to say it. I am so tired of seeing interracial couples in every single commercial. I mean, Jesus, every single commercial. I mean, it's as if non-interracial marriage doesn't even exist anymore. I'm starting to feel discriminated against here. And I'm sure there are some other families that are feeling discriminated against. 
Because when you start forcing people, that's what this looks like. You're now picking winners and losers. And it's only a matter of time before the losers get tired of losing. Now we're going backwards. So I thought to myself, as a black woman, what if every time I turned on the TV or turned on social media or somewhere or looked on the walls on the uh, on a uh, you know promotional items, what if every time I everywhere I looked I saw white power, white girl magic, white love, white excellence, all, and all the hashtags, the hashtag white lives matter, hashtag white women rule. I mean, man, God bless our ancestors who did endure that. But like, what if today I had to see that everywhere I went, at some point I will get tired of seeing it. And as human beings, that will create an emotion and evoke something like called frustration, which frustration looks different to a lot of people. So I hate it when I feel like, particularly in these commercials, but I hate it when I feel like you're trying to control my thoughts rather than simply informing me of another perspective. Just give me another perspective. You don't have to force my brain to process it the way you're processing it. And who told you that your way was right anyway? But when we're telling people that they have to do something rather than setting expectations and allowing them to rise to the occasion and rise to that expectation, you're doing the opposite of what the market does, which means now you're instead of you placing faith in people, you're now placing faith only in yourself and your ability to control and and change the minds of millions of people to now start to think like you. I don't live in North Korea. I don't want to be under your regime. I don't. So I really want you to stop trying to do that. Just give me what you feel. Tell me what you believe. I'm open to listening to a lot of what people say because I am interested and I'd like to educate myself. Even if I don't agree, at least I understand The true blood of activism is in collective behavior. See, it's a bunch of people getting together and deciding that they're going to do something differently simply because it's the right thing to do. And they're not going to demand that other people do it, but they're going to pray for other people and hope that they join in. But hopefully, by having conversations, if you're really doing this from a place of love and correction— that people will see it and then they will begin to change. And if you drill down to the core reason why we're in the positions that we're in, a lot of it has to do with the fact that we are controlling people or we're trying to control people and people are bucking the system. No one wants to be controlled. So let's talk about slavery for a second. I think the emancipation, the ending of slavery is probably the perfect example of activism going correct and doing it the right way. Most people probably never heard this before. I'm going to share something with you. The ending of slavery goes way beyond the war, and it goes way beyond Abraham Lincoln. That was kind of the end part. People have been talking about ending slavery for a very, very, very long time before it actually was able to happen. So if you drill down to the core reason why my people were no longer enslaved, it's because of Harriet Beecher Stowe, who was able to rally enough people of all ethnicities together by reading her book. And her book had these true accounts of the mistreatment of slaves. See, the emancipation was pushed 
by the market. Because what happened was people read this book and those who were oblivious to what was happening on the plantations and had enough integrity to write the president, to talk to their friends and to change their personal perspective, they were able to now create a movement around this book. So much so that President Abraham Lincoln himself accredited the emancipation to Harriet's book. What is the book I'm talking about? Uncle Tom's Cabin. That was the name of the book. That's the backstory. Before it was turned into a minstrel show in order to try to reroute everything, it was a book that actually helped lead to the emancipation. And guess what? When former slaves, when they were able to finally find freedom and become free, they didn't go and burn the country down. They didn't bust out windows and businesses. They didn't create autonomy zones. And please believe me, they had the right to be more more upset than anyone who's alive today. But they didn't do that. You know what they did? Some people stayed on the plantation because either they were old or they may have been sick or they just didn't know what to do. All they've ever known was tilling the ground. So they talked to their master at the time and just said, hey, now you're no, I'm no longer enslaved, but pay me some wages, pay me correctly, and I'll continue to till the ground. And this was a great deal for the slave owners. Why? Because they didn't know how to till grounds. They knew the business side of things, but they didn't understand the actual labor side. So that worked out for some people. For others, they decided to take advantage of the opportunities that were made available to them now that they've experienced freedom, now that they have their freedom. Opportunities that were primarily, and in some cases, only existed in America. They became productive citizens with the understanding that racism was not dead. Matter of fact, it was extremely alive and it was only going to continue to permeate. However, instead of, like I said, burning the country to the ground, if a white school didn't allow them to come in and educate, guess what? They opened up historically black colleges. That's why we have them, and they're still standing to this day. They understood something that I wish more people would understand, which is that opportunity carries way more weight than racism. When I tell you I have zero tolerance for, for, for the racism conversation, if I encounter someone who I think it's a mental disease, actually. I mean, I, I call it a mental health issue. But if you are, if you, if you try to even show me an ounce of racism, I, I don't even, it doesn't even register. Like, it doesn't even upset me because I just think that poor person, like, you're just so, it's so sad that you're still there. Like, I look at that person as being so far behind in the movement of society that. They don't even have the ability to really upset me. And that's because I understand something. I understand that opportunity carries more weight than racism ever could. Many of these people, these former slaves, went on to open up grocery stores, banks, train stations, even airports. I mean, Black Wall Streets, that was what they were now known as, but Black Wall Streets popped up everywhere. There wasn't just one black Wall Street in Tulsa. And from my understanding, I think Tulsa was the only one that was like burned to the ground. And that was a horrible, horrible situation. Once again, it proved that racism wasn't dead, but people were still able to climb out of the ashes of such a horrific situation and still was able to build. Why? Because opportunity carries more weight than racism. 
So they weren't running around and demanding equity, which eliminates opportunity. They weren't, you know, doing all that stuff. They were producing. We have to ask ourselves, like, what what are we doing with our activism and our questioning and our suggesting and all of our educating? Like, what are we really doing with it? I mean, are we are we are we too good now to produce for ourselves? Like, where are we? I want to leave you with this. So a former slave who later founded Tuskegee University, Booker T. Washington. Booker T. Washington had a tough road from the plantation to the school that he eventually attended. He didn't have a lot of money. A lot of times he had to sleep on the streets as he was walking and traveling to this college. But when he got there, he didn't have enough money to pay for the tuition. Well, he had a, he took a job once he came off the plantation over, you know, obviously some time passed, but he ended up getting a job with a white woman who taught him how to clean. She taught him how to clean. Very, she was very, very harsh when it comes to making sure he cleans. Not a harsh as from, you know, like on a plantation, but she was just like a really, she was really a stickler about cleaning. So he knew he had at least one skill set outside of what he learned on the plantation. And he took that skill set and he offered it up to the school and said, hey, I will clean the school if you allow me to attend and my cleaning would be the payment for my tuition. And that's what he did. And then after he graduated, he took all of his newfound education and he started his own school that he was able to produce based off of donations and really putting it all together and working with a team. But money was tight and the staff was short. So he needed all hands on deck. And I would never forget, he wrote in his book, Up From Slavery, that there were young people who attended the school that he opened after all the blood, sweat, and tears and, and, and sacrifice that he put into this school. They attended the school, and then when he asked them to help clean, they felt like they were too good to clean up the one school that will accept them at this time. It's unbelievable. One generation removed from the plantation. Now, we are so many generations removed now. But this is one, these kids were one generation removed. I couldn't believe how fast entitlement kicked in. It's unbelievable to me. Yes, there are areas where we can be more culturally aware. And I do think that's a benefit. I encourage everyone to look for ways that they can just do that, to be a little more culturally aware. However, determining who is racist and who isn't based on the number of black people you see in a commercial is just silly. I think we are, we, are, we, are, we are far gone at this point. So I just have a few things that I would like to see. One, let's reject forced representation and unfounded demands, and let's fully embrace the benefits of cultural awareness, of being able to learn from other people, try new foods, have better conversations, deeper conversations, Go places where you've probably never been before. Just try something new. I'm an advocate of trying something new. Do something different. As a result, more and more people will become culturally aware. and We will naturally move and fix things that need to be fixed. You don't have to force feed me or demand that I do it right now the way you want me to do it. It's never going to work. So like I said, 
I'm going to repeat this because it's so important. Let's reject forced representation and unfounded demands. And let's fully embrace the benefits of cultural awareness. Because true unity is found in the market. And that is us. Thank you for listening to Let's Talk About It with Janelle King. Remember to like, share, and follow this podcast so you'll be notified when new episodes have been uploaded. And if you heard something that you like, please give it five stars. And guess what? I need your feedback. Or if you just have a topic that you want to hear or some ideas and ways that I can help to make this podcast more enjoyable for you, please shoot me an email. It goes directly to me at I am period Janelle King at gmail.com. That's I am dot Janelle King at gmail.com. And like I always say, remember, disagreement is democracy. Thank you for listening. Listen each week at the podcastpark.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen and subscribe. The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required. And they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save and save and win. When you buy a used car, don't be taken for a ride. Get Ford Blue Advantage certified at Wade Ford, Atlanta's headquarters for factory certified pre-owned vehicles. Go to wadeford.com. There you'll find a great selection of Ford Blue Advantage certified used cars, trucks, and SUVs with Blue certified. Nearly all makes and all models are in stock now. You'll find something perfect for just about any budget. Buy with confidence at the Wade Ford factory certified used car outlet at wadeford.com. Wade Ford. We are Atlanta's Ford dealer. Camp Margaritaville RV Resort, where you can just breathe in and breathe out. (sighs) Or move. There's biking, boating, arcade games, hiking, nearby golfing. Or fly through the new Fins Up Water Park. Thrills, chills, twists, and turns. This could be you. Camp Margaritaville at Lanier Islands. An easy one-hour drive from Atlanta. Book your stay today at Camp Margaritaville Lanier Islands.com.